Hello and welcome to the Cranocast. My name's Rich. I'm a community archaeologist here at the Scottish Cranock Centre. Um, and today we're sat down with Ed, who is gonna he's been on a past um episode where he's talked about sustainability at the Cranock Centre. Um, but Ed has been putting together a document um which is specifically for the centre in his role as um sustainability officer. Um, and the whole idea is that what we wanted is the development as we move forward towards the lab. Um, the aim is, is that we want to be Scotland's most sustainable museum. Now, there's lots of aspects to this. And the reason that we're focusing on that is that actually to be Scotland's most sustainable museum, there's a huge amount of, um, I suppose the word is, is, is um, past actions that we can be inspired by today. So with the Iron Age people, inspired a, a, a way of life which was quite sustainable in terms of the archaeological record we don't have very much of it left um and actually to take that practice and be inspired by the past we can live in a more sustainable practice way today so ed has been working on this document um we're naming it the sustainability manifest for the future yep which is a big bold name and i like it um but the whole idea of this document that ed's been putting together which i don't know 100% about, which is why we're going to do the podcast today, because I'm going to act ignorant, because I am ignorant, and find out about what some of the details are. But the premise of this, if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ed, is that it's working as we're in the start of our journey to being Scotland's most sustainable museum, and this is a roadmap that's setting us out as we start our journey, so that we're going in the right direction. Yeah, so it's um, part of what I've been doing is to look at things that have already been happening at the centre that have been really, really successful um, and all of the plans for the sustainable build of the new museum, for example, mm -hmm. and sort of condensing that into something that, into this document, the Sustainability Manifest for the Future, um, that will allow anybody to get a brief overview of what we do, why we do it, and the main reasons why we're doing it. And then highlight the main areas that we consider really important. Okay. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned about talking about the, the people from the past. For so example, coppicing is something that we've sort of really, really got into and we're yeah. pushing forward. Um, and then the other, the other thing would be uh, the apprentices as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that yeah. in, a, in a little bit. So you've got your document in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, how many pages is it? Um, oh, Not that that's important. Good question. How many pages is it? So it's, Word is telling me 10. 10. And it is 10 pages. 10, 10 pages, perfect. So it's not it's not a silly length document. I think the idea is that what we want with this is something that we could give to any member of staff here. They could understand it. They could see our practice in it and then see how we can then take our next step in doing it. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah it's about... It's the, it's the gateway to what we're trying to be. And it's for anybody. So this will be going on the website for visitors to see as well um so that they can get a rough idea of what we're doing and then if yeah. there's anything more they need to know i'm more than happy to get in touch and ask yeah. more questions about it and also we're not we're not boxing ourselves into one way of work no. it is a living document Very and by so. that it will change as you know we change yeah. as we need to change to make well, Scotland's most sustainable museum. Yeah. Okay. So, Ed, if you just want to run us through it. Yeah. So, the first part is uh, the introduction. Um, so, the main first section of this is just a quick little uh, background of our ambition. Um, so, 
the centre is currently wishing to embrace sustainability. As Rich mentioned at the beginning, we want to become the most sustainable museum in Scotland. So we've got a clearly defined target. Um, now, one of the things that has been fantastic is we have this uh, four branches uh, sort of model. And I've been able to take the ideas of sustainability and incorporate it into this four branches model. Now, for anybody that isn't aware, the, the risk in sustainability, there's four main areas which are often discussed. Um, so it is economic, environmental, social, and then there's also personal. So hopefully what you will see is these sort of combine and entwine quite a lot throughout this. So the four main branches uh, is we wish to be a trusted partner that organisations and individuals want to work alongside. Special place, people want to visit and support. A place of choice to work and grow. A place that belongs in and cares for its environment. So from that, we then move on into the why, why we want to do it. So internationally uh, in 2015 the paris climate agreement um set targets to uh, limit global warming temperatures to two degrees mm -hmm. um and as part of our ambition to be sustainable that is something that we've taken to heart and during the paris agreement we also also uh, there were 17 sustainable development goals which again we are incorporating into everything that we do so while a lot of places or when we first, when people first look at the sustainable sort of goals, they often highlight specific ones. So I'll just check because I always get the number wrong. Um, so for example, for us, um, it is education would be one of the things that might stand out for a museum. Now, my argument is all of those things we should be touching upon in some way. Now, while some of them may not seem as important initially, we can still start the conversation. So, for example, uh, clean water. Scotland is not, you know, without water. There's quite a lot of it. We're sat by a lock right now. It rains. It does. Um, clean water for most UK citizens isn't something we ever think about. However, as a museum, we can still have that conversation. We can still say, look... We've got a borehole at the new museum. How do we get water? Well, if this is how we get water, how do people across the world get water? Uh -huh. Why is this such a big a big problem for certain people? Yeah. So that's a, that's that's that sort of section. And then there's a little bit about national and local sort of goals that we will sort of be working towards as part of this. Okay. Um, a lot of sort of net zero sort of things okay. uh, and carbon reduction. Um. And then finally, a little bit about museums and uh, the museum sector itself. So 24% of carbon emissions come from in, within the cultural sector come from museums. So it's quite a large okay. amount. Um, so for us to show how we become come net zero um, and then hopefully carbon positive, which I'll go on to a bit later, yeah. we can show other museums, okay, is how we did it. Yeah. Can we learn lessons and apply it to yeah. other museums? I suppose museums we have we have the issue that you know especially right now in museums with the the cost of of energy bills going up what what I think a lot of places maybe don't fully understand with the with museums especially is that 
museum buildings have to have a maintained temperature. Yes. That's for the preservation of the artifacts. You need to keep a consistent temperature to do that. So if you need to save on your electricity bill in the museum, you can't go around turning all the heating off in the museum building. Nope. Otherwise, you risk your artifacts, which are the artifacts that you know we tell the stories with, which we have to look after, and that's our first main. So there is, I think, I think especially to keep it relevant to this week, you know, there are museums that are having to shut because they can't afford the energy yep. bills. And that, that you know, alternative ways of doing that, I think is, is for me, I'm just saying this off the back of hearing what you're saying, it's quite a valuable process. Absolutely. And that is something that I am very conscious of because, you know, like you say, the, the spike in energy prices has highlighted how reliant we still are on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And while the transition to renewable energies is moving Mm -hmm. it might make people realize actually we can do this faster and how we can do this faster Mm -hmm. and it's then showing people that you can do it and you can get your energy from renewable means and that will then sort of lead into if we think again into the sustainable zone side it'll help finances and it just goes on and on so yeah sorry carry on no it's all right so yeah so that's the main Sort of introduction, sort of explains what, why. Um, and then we have several main aims. Um, and as Rich said, that these will change. It is a living document. Um, but the first sort of four main targets is to engage with communities on a no- local and national level to promote sustainable thinking. Mm-hmm. Allow our visitors to see sustainable practices in action. Something I'll come back to a little bit later as well. Ensure all the staff understand the importance of sustainability for the future and are able to act upon this. And finally, become carbon neutral by 2025 and carbon positive by 2030. Now, that last one is a ambitious target. and I'm not going to lie about that one because a lot of our emissions come from sources we don't fully control. But mm-hmm. I think it is only by having an ambitious target do we put pressure on people to make that change. Yes. Um, yes. So, and as I say, I, I, I mean, this, this is kind of sort of based around climate change um, and it just sort of finishes in highlighting that it's it's time and we have the choice to change things, um, which is then what the next sort of section goes into is, well, how do we do that? Yep. So um, just to go through, we've got four, is it five aims? Four aims. Four aims. Engage communities. Yep. Allow visitors to see sustainable practice sustainable in action. Practice in action. Mm-hmm. Educate staff. Yep. Was it? About yeah. the importance of sustainability. About the importance of sustainability. And the last one is, is carbon neutral by 2025, carbon positive by 2030. Yeah. So those are your four aims. Cool. Sounds all positive to me. Yeah. Carry on. And like I say, some of them are ambitious, but I think it is better to aim for that now and fail because at least we will have been pushing the pushing things in the right direction absolutely um so yeah so then the document then moves on to the main action areas um of sort of the the more nitty-gritty of what what things need to change how things need to change um so the way that i've decided to break this down to sort of um, make it a little bit easier to to follow is to use the four branches as the main titles okay so i'll just go through the first one and then i'll sort of highlight the main areas that i've sort of put for these yep so the first one is trusted partner 
that organisations and individuals want to work alongside. <coughs> Excuse me. So the the three main areas within this within this branch are procurement, so how we buy things and where we buy things from. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things that museums and even individuals have is purchasing power. Yeah. Who we buy from has an impact. Yes. And a lot of businesses will say we will only change until people's spending changes. People stop buying a product, they stop making the product because they won't make any money. Yeah. So ensuring that we have a consistent procurement policy across the centre, yeah. that we are looking at the sustainability aspect of that. Okay. So the next sort of aspect is a finance. So we're practicing ethical finance. So yes. is our pensions in the right place? Are yeah. the banks in the right place? So the yeah. money is getting put in the right places. I'm not skimming money off the top. Yeah, well, we, we <laughs> hope so. Um, I'm not, by the way. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> and then finally, uh, it's the kind of community. So engage with the local community and share knowledge and promote sustainable thinking. So yeah. education within the community itself. And working alongside. Absolutely. Um, and this is where you'll start to see now as we sort of move into the second branch, how certain things overlap within yes. those four sustainable areas, which I think personally allows for flexibility, um, which above all else is a hallmark of sustainable thinking mm -hmm. because you can't always be rigid. Things will change. Can you adapt? This will yeah. allow for that to happen. Yeah, there is no cookie cutter approach. Absolutely not. You you have to you have to consider it specifically for your own business museum person. Yeah. Um, your uh, your sustainable sort of life will be different depending on who you are for a myriad reasons. Um, but it's how you get to the end result. If you know that you've done everything you can to get there, yeah. That's the most important part. Um, so if you need to drive thirty miles to work. You need to drive 30 miles to work because there isn't a bus. Yeah. We'll come back to that yeah. later on. So second <coughs> So it, second one is a special place people want to visit and support. Mm -hmm. So the sensory is extremely visitor and customer orientated. The visitors here and the visitor experience is absolutely essential. Um, so we engage with our visitors, look for new ways of presenting our collection to highlight sustainable ideas. So not only will we start to show people how it works, but we will use the artifacts from two and a half thousand years ago to start the conversations to say, hey, look, this is how they made it with this. This mm -hmm. works. Can we make it like this? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the answer will be no. Yeah. Most of the time, I think it will be yes. Um, so learning, look at ways to explain ex ex sustainable ideas, excuse me, to all audiences and be proactive in our approach. So sustainability can sometimes feel a little bit aloof, um, can be a bit high and mm -hmm. comes from the UN and people are a bit, yeah. I want that to sort of break those barriers down. Yeah. You can talk about it. Everyone can talk about it. Yeah. We will also go and talk to you about it. Yeah. Humanize the process. Absolutely. Um, and then final... Finally, it is travel. Um, to promote sustainable modes of travel and work with partners to expand the adoption for visitors and the community. Yeah. Um, Just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Locte is obviously a beautiful place, but it's sometimes a bit difficult to get to by public transport. Yeah. Two hours from everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the third part is a place of choice to work and grow. Yeah. 
so that includes governance and leadership, so that it is embedded throughout the organisation, all the way from trustees, all the way down to volunteers. Mm -hmm. Sustainability is something that everybody knows about, everybody engages with. Uh, staff and volunteers will make sure they have a knowledge about climate issues and take responsibility for it as well, um, yes. so that everybody works together. Um, and then finally is partnerships. So seek out partnerships allow us to expand our sustainable thinking and engage with a wider audience. Um, so again, it allows us to have those conversations, um, excuse me, with more people, which then progresses everything further. Yes. And then the final strand, the place that belongs for, belongs in and cares for its environment. Um, so the three main sort of areas, enhanced biodiversity, um, yeah. encouraging wildlife across the site. So Delerve is a beautiful place. We want to make sure that, you know, wildlife can still be there, that we embrace that. Reduce our environmental impact. So I've mentioned about net zero and carbon yeah. footprint uh, and also trying to make a zero waste site. Mm -hmm. Zero waste site. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And then finally, uh, the buildings and sites are managed uh, with the environment in mind and materials are responsibly sourced. Yes. Which again kind of folds that kind of folds back into your to your first one, being a trusted partner, finding it the right stuff to come from, you're still sourcing things in the same sort of remit. But it all comes around exactly, and that and that I think is the flexibility that yeah. the manifest gives. Yeah. Is these are highlighting the twelve kind of areas that all work in intertwine with sustainable development, yeah. with the four areas of sustainability, yeah. and they bounce off and connect with one yeah. each other. And that for me is the, the whole point. Yeah, when it's all connected together, you yeah. have to do one to follow the other. Exactly, you pull on one string, everything else. So those pulled. are the action areas. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's how you're breaking down, basically, to achieve the aims. These are the areas where we're going to enact a change or do what we're doing to achieve that. Yeah. Um, so is there any specific, in the document, do you have any specific actions that are in those areas? We don't have to go through them all because there's 12 there, as you just yeah. said, and then there's probably, is that broken down? into? And that's then broken down into individual actions itself. So okay. again, it's, you know take something large, split it into smaller chunks and you suddenly find you can yeah. you manage it. How do you eat an elephant? Yep. One Make bite it. at a time. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so it, each area is broken down into specific actions mm -hmm. and these actions are given to specific people, specific yeah. timeframes. Um, and again, because this document will be accessible to anybody, people will be able to see this and then, you know, I'll get onto monitoring later, but we will be, you know, We'll be trying to do these things during the year. Um, so one example of an action would be uh, finances. So the Profactis, you know, ethical finance. Um, so earlier in the year, this is something that we were already able to do. We are part of the government Nest Pension. Yep. The Nest Pension scheme has a uh, an option on there for um, essentially a low impact choice, a mm -hmm. choice that is environmentally and socially uh, more considerate. Um, so I was able to give the information to the whole of the staff, how to change if they so wished. Um, and then this will also be highlighted for anybody else that comes in, uh, any new staff, this will also be highlighted for them. And that is their choice, but we've given them the information so they can make an informed decision. Yeah. Um, 
And I suppose the other one that I would probably highlight in terms of a specific action um, would be our it would be the building and the maintenance. So the building and maintenance side is how we have sourced so many materials so yep. locally. Um, and you'll know better than me how much partnership that has taken um, yeah. and how important that is for our sort of our goal for the site and the build. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think again, to bring it back to how the archaeology is inspiring our practice today mm -hmm. is that two and a half thousand years ago, the people that lived on our Cranogs would have built what they could with what they had within the closest distance possible. Okay. And the archaeology of our Cranog indicates a group of very skilled craftspeople over a variety of number crafts. And when we look at it with a reflective view, what we say is that these people were not thriving. They, they, they weren't surviving. They were thriving. So within what they had primarily, not everything, which is important to note, but primarily the bread and butter of their existence was within, we say walking distance, but boating distance or within a fairly close period of time, their food, their warmth, Mm -hmm. Their building materials, their tools, everything would have come within a, a walking distance is what we say. But by that, obviously, that, that's quite a, a, a higgledy-piggledy term. But it's within a distance which is, I would consider, not needing for us today, motorised mechanical yep. transport of any shape or form. So there is a there's, a there's a way for us to be inspired by that to apply to what we are doing today with the build at Delurb, to try and do that as much as we can. Now, obviously, we don't live in 500 BC. The environment has changed, the materials are different, we cannot build in the same way, but what we can do is we can take that as our guiding light, in a way, to go, we're going to go with this drive first and do the best we can, which then means we can achieve something that's possibly more sustainable. And by that, I mean is... That the Iron Age village or the, the, the setup that built the Cranog two and a half thousand years ago, there is no trace of it on the landscape now. So that means it's gone back to zero. It's gone back to yep. nothing, which means it's had as minimal impact as we can have. The only thing that's left is the Cranog out there on the water, and that's because nobody else went out there to try and build the Cranog on top of it. Okay, yep. so actually, if we can take that as our ethos and incorporate that into the build, not only does it mean there is minimal impact as best we can do. And that's not saying there is no impact. There obviously is impact again, we're in one society, but when we talk about it, we can talk about that thought process and that helps us better connect to the people of the past because we're trying to not think like them, but be inspired by our methods by them yep. in a way that, that can inform today. And museums need to be relevant. They need to be up to date. They need to be drivers of social change believe that and I think you know a lot of people in museums believe that but right now we're in a situation where we call it the climate crisis and I think maybe the term's been used to the point where it doesn't maybe hit home with as much power as the word should but there is a word crisis in there so if if museums can play a role using our collective heritage to inform practice today then I think we should be doing that. And the Deleuze build 
even to the point of just asking the people that are closest to us for the materials first, which is what they did two and a half thousand years ago. Yep. It's a way of connecting to the past. We only create the community. We can only talk about a community that's there in the past by creating a community today. And that's how we're, we're trying to, with the blood build especially, that's how we're trying to, trying to enact that. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you've, what you've said there is it highlights how quickly one aspect of this feeds into the rest of it. So like just sourcing materials, how many conversations you can start having wider conversations about modern society and where we get things from yeah. um, that we can then, you know, talk to visitors about. Yeah. And I think the, the, the big thing with that is if we can get on, um, we did a podcast last year with, with Ian about how coppice works and how coppicing works. Mm -hmm. But if we can get sustainable coppice practice in place near our site, that for me is the ultimate winner because what that does is it it's, I don't know many places where the buildings we have can be maintained, repaired and rebuilt with what's across the road, yeah. which the same organization is managing. And we have a glorious opportunity with heritage to not just have it that we're just managing it because we need a parts factory for repairing our buildings, but actually we can talk about heritage practice in the way that we're maintaining and repairing our buildings. Yeah. And it all folds into one, but actually the story is not just a story, it's a way of work. Yeah. And that kind of that that all gets embedded into how we're looking at Delurb. And that's that's the step between being a museum that talks about sustainability to be in a museum that practices sustainability. And that, I think, is, is an important feature of this, with the coppicing especially. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the, the final sort of section for the document is just monitoring and reviews. So, as we said at the beginning, it is a live document. Yep. This will be reviewed annually. Yep. Um, during the year, uh, it will be checked on to see if targets are being met. Um, to sort of give us an idea mm -hmm. um, and then certain sort of key factors like carbon emissions, um, how people are getting to us in terms of transport. Yeah. There'll be certain monitoring things there um, which will be finalised um, to sort of see if we're going in the right track. Okay. Um, so it's going to be a checks process. Yeah. Which just needs to happen. Yeah. You, you, as much as I, I, you know, people don't like them sometimes, the targets, they need to be there. Um, yeah. And it is just a way of, of making sure that what you said you're trying to do are being backed up with the with certain evidence. Um, yeah. Wonderful. So that is the, the document. The manifest, as we're called. The manifest, apologies. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. still... Yeah, no, no, and I think it's a, it's a good place for us to start. And from this, obviously it will change. Mm -hmm. Not because anybody's done anything wrong at the beginning, but because... It should change as we learn more. So that's not just a change in, in terms of what we need to do, but there might be something down the line that we want to add in because an opportunity has arisen that we want to do. So one thing, for instance, I'm pulling this out the top of my head right now as I'm looking, is that we have a massive body of water there mm -hmm. that, again, I'm just saying this out loud, might be a, a, a source of energy yep. down the line. There's a massive body of water there that as a water source heat pump there might be an advance in that technology or it might be a cheapening that technology or there might be something again i'm just talking out loud here that enables us to put into this document that to achieve this we will do this yeah so to achieve 
carbon neutral by 2025, we're going to install this to achieve carbon positive by 2030. We're going to add this in. We don't know what's going to happen in the next eight years. So let's not box ourselves into a practice. Exactly. We can yeah. bring that in. Yeah, Wonderful. absolutely. Good stuff. So yeah, I think that's the plan. Um, if anybody, we're hopefully in the next few weeks going to get this up somewhere. Um, yeah. Public. Um, but if not, it will it will be available. I'm sure if you if you email through or asked us, we can we can send this out and you... chat to it. Do come in and visit us. Um, and as part of our visit, if you ever have any questions about sustainability at the museum itself, more than happy for any of us to talk about what the plans are for the verb and where we want to go. And um, there's so many people on site that have different facets of this as well, and are running with it. We've got Jenny developing forest gardens, which the intention is that those forest gardens at some point will bear fruit, literally that will actually feed and be able to provide food for our cafe as we run it. We've obviously got the coppice in with Ian, the building process itself and the sustainability of craft there too. Um, it's all involved and it's all kind of entangled, I think is the word. You can't, yeah. instead of trying to pull them apart and do them separately, just do them as a yeah. big ball. And, that, and that's just it, is it's, it's the whole process. You can't just say, okay, now we're sustainable. Yeah. It is something that you constantly work on. And it, it, it is embedded within the organisation. Um, and I think that's the thing I think people are now sort of understanding that, that you, you need to think about this holistically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that the role of museums in general um, is to sort of move forward with this and push forward for change. Um, and the centre with, with the move over to Deleuve is just in the perfect place to show people how to, to come along on the journey with us. Yeah. Responsibility to do it the right way with the right sort of things. Wonderful. Thank you, Ed. Thank and you um, that's that's the podcast for this week. There's no video this week. Um, next week, we are going to be bringing back Maureen. Um, we had to pause. It was meant to be Maureen this weekend. However, halfway through our recording uh, this week with Maureen, um, one of the log boats broke free only a sentence you hear at the Cranock Centre. Um, so we had to pause the recording to go and get the log boat. Um, so we're planning on finishing off that recording this week um, to be coming out next week and we'll be back to a video content form next Sunday. Um, so that is, we've got this Sunday, which I believe to be the, forget the date, I think it's the 19th off the top of my head. Um, and then next week on the 26th, we'll be back to video form content um, and we'll be, open now we're open every single day just to just to go through again we're open every single day from wednesday to friday um up until the first of april and then from the first of april we are going to be open every single day um so we'll be back open then right the way through we're looking to be moving and opening our new site at the lab in june at the latest so we are getting all our skates on to be moving on now with the development and getting us where we need to be. Um, if you've got any questions or if you'd like to volunteer or get in touch with us, do just send us an email. There is an email, which is info at cranog.co.uk. Um, do feel free to send anything to that. But also, if you want to volunteer specifically or get involved in the build and see what we're talking about in a bit of practice, you can send an email to volunteers, that's with an S, volunteers, at cranog.co.uk as well. Um, so just come and see us even if nothing else come and see us for a visit uh, and we'll speak to you soon